Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. This is long overdue, and there's only one person to blame, and it's me. But it's fine. You can shower your blame upon me. I don't mind. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Vespers, and I am overjoyed to be joined by the host of the Advantage Pod here on the Sports Ethos Network, and one of the sharpest betting minds you'll find on the interwebs, possibly in person as well, although, you know, nobody meets face-to-face anymore. <laughs> That's too hard. The great Michael Fiddle. M. Fiddle 14 on Twitter. Mike, it's good to talk to you on a pod as opposed to, like, you know, tweeting back and forth about series prices and things like that. How are you? Or getting in your emails and asking you to check my gambling math or sending you... You said you're the one to blame for this being a long overdue. I could have sent you 11 emails asking to come on instead of 10. <laughs> so I think you could put some blame on me too. No, I don't think so. By the way, it should it should be noted, I actually really enjoyed that email you sent where you were checking your own betting math. And so I was like digging it. People don't need to know what we were working on here. Just suffice it to say that Mike is a degenerate of the nth degree and it uh, it warms the cockles, the deepest cockles of my heart. So the reason you're on here is actually twofold though. We are going to talk about the conference finals, each of them beginning over the next day and a half. Today, Lakers, Nuggets, tomorrow, Heat, Celtics. But before we do that, something that I almost ignore on this show completely is rookies. Anything that has to do with rookies coming into the NBA. And later on tonight, Mike, you are hosting a draft lottery live show on the Sports Ethos YouTube. Uh, When is that? What are you guys going to be looking at? Tonight, Tuesday, May 16th, it starts at 7.45 Eastern Time. Very excited to be hosting my first Sports Ethos live event for the NBA Draft Lottery. Obviously, yeah. as a sports gambler, Dan, I live in the world of odds and implications. So I think everyone, whatever team you're a fan of, if you're a Charlotte Hornets fan, you know you have your 14% odds. And you certainly know the implications of what getting the first pick tonight means. So <laughs> I think that makes me the perfect host for tonight's NBA draft lottery watch along party definitely come join us come hang we have a great lineup of amazing guests one of them does not include Dan but it includes Brewski who's a frequent guest on this pod Dan I knew if I invited you on it would just be this classic old I don't draft rookie spiel so I, <laughs> I, I skipped over you on that one I said let me come on and promote it but but we'll 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 talk rookies you know yeah, I mean honestly down the road. Uh, if if I was at all home or available during when that show is airing I definitely would have popped on just to make jokes at my own expense about how I don't look at rookies uh but you guys are going live 7:45 Eastern 4:45 Pacific time I am quite literally out at a little league diamond during your show so I, I don't know <laughs> I mean I guess I could like FaceTime in and show all these six-year-olds playing Little League, but I feel like their parents wouldn't be super thrilled about uh, their kids being on a sports ethos the, live the show. Dad, the dads are going to be like, Dan, who got Wembyama? Tell us, tell us, tell us. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just yell to everyone. I might try to have you on in, in my pocket. Maybe I'll be able to hear you guys while that's going on. <laughs> uh, the Sports Ethos YouTube page is youtube.com slash sports ethos. You can see that as an upcoming feed there. Make sure to pop on over, subscribe, uh, bookmark it, like it, whatever it is that the kids are doing on the YouTubes these days. But, Mike, I don't want to make yep. people wait anymore. Let's talk conference finals. Um, Let's do it. I spent a bunch of time on yesterday's show uh, just sort of kind of ambling my way through the conference finals. I was in no rush. I felt like I was 
kind of just taking like a, a day for me on yesterday's pod, just talking about basketball, whatever was hitting my brain. But let's go through this chronologically. Lakers Nuggets tonight, where do you start when handicapping this type of bubble rematch? And you know, both teams, each team got a, you know, a decent amount of rest before this series started. So what do you expect to see? So I think where we start when we talk about this Lakers Nuggets series, Dan, is key numbers when betting NBA. So when it comes to NBA betting, I am not someone who bets my basketball take, as we were just talking about on the pre-show. We'll get into Celtics heat in a little bit. And where my brain versus where my bets are are in two different places. So I'm someone who bets numbers, right? We are. This is a market. It is a supply and demand. Things are shifting around. I always look to what is the number, not what is my basketball brain think. So when this Lakers Nuggets line dropped, it was at minus 4.5 for the Nuggets. So Dan, knowing key numbers for basketball spreads, I know five is the second most common outcome in NBA games. And it is the most common outcome of a spread that results in a push because seven actually happens to be the most common outcome but we have a higher volume of spreads posted at five. So you get a higher hit rate or push rate on the five, even though it happens to be the second most common outcome. Either way, it just shows you the value of the five versus the minus 4.5. So when that line dropped at minus 4.5, I saw some of the markets start to move to five. So there were some 4.5s on the board. There were some fives on the board. You're line shopping. If you're someone who's interested in sports gambling, I highly suggest not only listening to my podcast, The Advantage, but <laughs> well having well played, multiple sir. sports books where you can line shop. So like if, if DraftKings had it at four and a half and FanDuel had it at five, there's no reason not to go over to DraftKings and place that bet there. So FanDuel moved that line to five. DraftKings left it at four and a half. I knew that four and a half was a key number for NBAs. My best bet for this game was Denver Nuggets minus four and a half. Now, obviously, that has been pushed out to a minus six right now. I still don't mind it. I think Nuggets have rest advantage, home court advantage, coaching advantage, probably a slight talent advantage. I'd like to get your feedback on that end of it. Um, as, As a fantasy guy, Dan, I mean, there's no one who better understands. You've been podcasting about fantasy every day for the last X years, so... I mean, is there anyone who truly understands how good Nikola Jokic is besides you? Uh, I would assume other uh, fantasy lunatics, probably. And that's been kind of a, a theme for Denver, too, though, is that those of us that watched the Nuggets all year and watched Jokic for the last few years, you, you knew coming into the playoffs, forget this series, that Denver was dramatically underrated as a number one seed. That's a super yep. weird thing to have yep. happen, but it was like slapping us all in the face. And and I feel like some of it is the Jokic story. Some of it is the fact that between like mid-February and almost the end of the season. I was going to say that late season lull they had, that kind of like take a back seat. They were six games up on the one seed when John Moran had his suspension, which is like then that was a whole nother thing, which we we don't need to get into that today. It's it's reared its ugly head in the last, this weekend. But the, the Nuggets had such control of that one seed that they they kind of just didn't really care. They didn't go all out, which is proven to be a really good thing. So in this game one spot, I don't know how I truly feel about the series yet. I'm not rushing to any judgments. But in this game one spot with the Lakers traveling to altitude, with the narrative of LeBron 
generally likes to take feelers in series. His game one road record is not good. I think he's like four and 14, maybe five and 14 now yeah. in game one's and opening that, series. And on that's the with road. some success, by the way, these particular playoffs. They, they, like this is yeah, exactly. Weird that one. includes two, two road wins in game ones already this playoff. So yeah, maybe he goes third time to the well. The, the, there's the dichotomy. Dan, you're also a Lakers fan, so let me get your take. So here. are you, though. This is going to be an this is going to be an insufferable podcast for people if yeah, we start exactly. talking. My about dog named LeBron is on the couch over here. So, <laughs> as two LeBron lovers that we are, or maybe you're just a Lakers fan, so you've been a a uh, recently adopted LeBron lover over the last five years. I am a been doing it for twenty. So, um, generally, we have this dichotomy of LeBron on rest. In a playoff situation, he's like, okay, this is a spot I need to go for it. I'm going to turn up for this game. We saw it in game one against the Warriors. Warriors, of course, were coming off seven against the Kings, so they were at a rest disadvantage. Nuggets, even though LeBron is rested, Nuggets have a rest advantage because their series ended a day earlier, and they're not traveling. So I think that helps the Nuggets in this case. But we have scorched earth LeBron on rest versus I take a back seat in game ones and I take feelers for the series. Which version of LeBron do you think we get? Yeah, that's a that's a really tough question to answer. I almost feel like yeah, for this one, I'm looking even deeper into the schematics of what are the Lakers actually going to run defensively to deal with basically seeing uh, like a slightly souped up version of the 2020, the bubble nuggets. Um mm-hmm. And it didn't feel like either team at the end of that series had had really ever figured out how to stop the other one. So to me, I'm actually looking more at the total in this first game as one where, again, you talk about the feeler thing. That usually means that the defenses are a game behind the offenses because the offense is going to run their, their fastball. I've been calling it a fastball on the podcast. They're just going to throw their fastball. And usually that works pretty well. And then the teams kind of go to their their film. They see how things felt in real time and they make their adjustments as the series goes on. Which LeBron do we get? I think we're going to get a pretty good LeBron actually in this game. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not also kind of in feeler mode where maybe the extra energy is expended a bit more on the offensive end of the floor, a little less on the defensive side. If he's going to be chasing Aaron Gordon, well, I, I would assume that he is in this series. That's actually going to be a lot of work for him. I but, think he's going to be defending Aaron Gordon, but certainly not chasing him. He's going to be letting Aaron Gordon shoot whatever he wants to shoot. <laughs> yeah, sure. He'll be sagging off, but that's He'll really be the only free safety Aaron Gordon. That's really the only player on the Nuggets where you can sag off much. They're they're a yep. tremendous shooting ball club. This is going to be a hell of a test. Uh yeah, like you said, when this one opened at, at four and a half, I would have had a lean to the Nuggets. At six, I'm probably a bit too nervous to have yeah, a feel for the so, side. So when it moves through a key number like that, Dan, I like to say maybe buyer beware on the spread. I mean, I personally would still play the six right now. Um, but if you are scared of it moving, have moved through the five, maybe you say, okay, then I'll take a money line angle on the Nuggets. When I do that, when I say, okay, the spread has moved through a number that scares me, so I want to flip my exposure to a money line instead of taking the points. I don't increase my bet size. I'll still bet my one unit and just bring home less return. So it's like I don't need to increase my exposure because I'm now hopping on a minus 245 line versus a minus 110 on a spread. I could just still bet my one unit and bring home less return and still have action on the game. Dan, you mentioned the total for this game. I think the total is a very interesting stuff happening right here. Total opens at 223 and a half for this game. 
gets quickly bet down, even though you said your first initial read was the uh, over, gets quickly bet down to 222.5, even had some 222s popping on the board yesterday. As of this morning, Dan, I was even talking in the Wager Pass Discord with people. So if anyone likes these gambling conversations, certainly join the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. We have a lot of these in there. I was talking about it this morning with people in there. All of the lines that were previously 222, Dan, have come back up to 222.5. So there is late over money in an initial under market. So definitely some interesting things happening in the total. I have no total plays because I'm scared of what's happening on the board. But late movement towards the over in conjunction hmm. with the way your eyes are seeing it. Let me. I know you said you weren't really looking too hard at the series price yet. But when you sort of grade something out in your mind, you've got Nuggets at minus 240 now on the money line. Would you consider yep. instead betting the Nuggets at minus 160 on a series price? Because you think they win the first game, you probably feel somewhat confident that they go on to win the series, no? Yeah, I, I, I would lean, because I'm leaning Nuggets um, in game one, I would lean Nuggets series. I don't generally like the idea of bouncing series prices, so I wouldn't want to eventually bet Lakers if I tried to bet Nuggets. Now, I wouldn't bet... Lakers after maybe Nuggets went up 1-0 to quote-unquote lock in profit or hedge off a bet. Um, I do think you would gain a great amount of value by taking the Nuggets now. Yeah, I, I think that's a, definitely a good way to look at it. I haven't played the series price yet personally, and I know you know this because we've been emailing. Uh, I have a Nuggets 14-1 to future, which I'm working off of in, in various ways. So I'm actually just letting that ride for game one. And then I'm going to reevaluate, do I actually want to take some Lakers series game two, or do I just want to continue letting that mm. thing go? Not but me it. letting that thing go in game one is a pretty much me endorsing a Nuggets series bet going into game one. Yeah, good point. Um, let's talk about the other one. Celtics, uh, th this has been an interesting one when you compare the series number to the actual game number. Celtics opened as an eight-point favorite. It's still at eight. It's moved very small amounts in a couple directions, I think. And the total is pretty well leveled off around 210 or 210 and a half. But the series price, Celtics minus 525 now. That's been moving fast in the direction of Boston. I think when I did yesterday's show where I just was talking about basketball, it was like Celtics minus 300 something. It's up, what, well, $100, $150 in a day here? That is. Uh, an extraordinary leap on the series price. Um, what do you do with the game? Because for me, I'm looking at this and I'm like, well, Celtics went seven. My usual move there is to assume that they're going to be tired, so defense is going to suffer. Does that allow the Heat to stay close? How do you handicap the game tomorrow? Best bet on the board for any of the game ones, Celtics, Heat, Lakers, Nuggets. One of my favorite bets of the entire postseason so far is game one Celtics heat over 210 and a half. So that's where the market is right now. It line opened at 209. It moved from 209 to 210 immediately without even stopping at 209 and a half. And now the entire market has come up to 210 and a half. So generally early in series, I think we kind of hit on this a little bit before. Early in the series, you do see more scoring and not only more scoring, but you see more value in gambling markets because as these games get to go on, as we get to game three, game four, game five of this series, you're getting more relevant data to price these lines in the gambling market. You're getting no rest advantages. You're getting no travel advantages. So you have, we've seen the product and now we're 
you know, canceling out all the other general gambling advantages we play into. So when you're making a bet into a series, even though the series gains importance as the games go on, in a betting environment, we actually want to reduce our exposure. We actually want to hit bigger bets earlier in the series. So my biggest bet of round of round three game ones is the over in that spot. I also, I'm scared of the Celtics too. We were talking about this a little bit on the <laughs> yeah. pre-show. The market has either stayed at eight or moved from seven and a half to eight. I even think DraftKings had the eight and a half for a little bit yesterday. It's back down to eight. So it's definitely some Celtics money coming in. I'll check the FanDuel splits. FanDuel says 67% of the bets on Miami, but only 60% of the money on Miami. So people who are betting bigger bucks, even though the money's on Miami, the bigger bets are coming in on the Celtics side. So it tends to be a Celtics market. But at the same time, eight points on two days rest. The Celtics just came off back-to-back elimination games. And now they have to go into a, a game one home game where they're heavily favored in the series. I think the just natural sense of urgency is going to be reduced. And then on the flip side of that, the Heat are like, you know, the, yeah, yeah, the Heat are the Heat, man. What the hell? Yeah. That's yeah. uh, this team was was at risk of losing back to back play in games, and then they just got into the playoffs and are steamrolling people. That's that. Th- this I, it, in my wildest fever dreams, I never saw the Heat doing what they've done in these playoffs so far. At least on the Lakers side, you were kind of like, okay, well, this isn't a real seven seed. The Heat were a real seven seed. Like they they played like a seven seed the whole damn season. They didn't have a bunch of roster turnover or anything, and then all of a sudden now they're playing like a top three team in the East. Yeah, and they lost one of their best players, so their offense has gotten extraordinarily better while missing their second best offensive player. That's crazy. What's going on? I just generally just don't really know what's 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 in the waters (laughs) in Miami. Confusing to me, but Dan, that series price it was priced at like you said five twenty five. ESPN yesterday came out with that like uh, ESPN analytics, oh BPI, yeah, whatever it is, and they said the Celtics have a ninety-seven percent chance to advance <laughs> to the finals. Like, <laughs> what? Like, let me let me let me flip that on you. So a minus five twenty-five correlates with an eighty-four percent chance to win, right? Implied probability, hit rate needed to be profitable. If you were betting minus five twenty-five lines, always you would hit, need to hit above eighty-four percent of those bets to be profitable. So now if we have ESPN and the BPI is telling us 97%, but the gambling market is telling us 84%, do we even think there might be some value in betting the Celtics series price, even though it's crazy long odds? Oh God, I couldn't touch that. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't touch that one. Uh, what about you? Would you, would you? Yeah, it's too much. It's too pricey. No. Uh, no. I just, you, I think, yeah. I think like what, what happens if Tatum gets injured and then is it like immediately or Jalen Brown gets injured. Like anything can happen in one game and then drastically flip that to the Heat being favorites. Yeah, I, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. And and honestly, I don't think I could bet either side on the series price in that because, no. I mean, if anything, game I would look at Miami. But here. yeah, that's game by game. 100% game by game. Um, Fiddle, your your brain is, I love it. I can see the, all the little neurons firing in every direction and I hope people are enjoying Through my it. fresh buzz cut. That's nice. Yeah, I can see Mike on our recording software here. I'm using instead the uh, an avatar of a hamburger because apparently... Wait, your hair isn't actually lettuce, tomato, onion? I do have sesame seeds in my hair, but no. <laughs> That's just... Actually, my kid, my kid was having pickles as a snack yesterday, and he just dumped the bowl of pickle juice on my head. So... 
Welcome to my existence. I smell like pickles right now. Um, well, maybe, maybe your kid is gonna have some great gut health with that. Um, what is it? What is the um? That's what's the word the... I'm looking for? That pickles are. Uh, they have all the prebiotics and. Oh, do they? they I are... don't even know. It's just it's Clausen brand, whatever it is. He's a he's a good okay. little boy. He loves his I'm pickles. I'm gonna skip it for now. Yeah, I don't know. But I yeah. don't know. Brine. I've been brined. Was what happened over here. Um, I want to make sure we get a, a chance here at the end of your segment to promo what you're working on as well. First of all, you can find Mike on Twitter at mfiddle14, the number 14, M-F-I-D-D-L-E-1-4. Mike is, again, hosting our Draft Lottery live show later on today, 445 Pacific, 745 Eastern, with a host of delightful guests and the Advantage podcast. That's Mike's podcast, baby. He gives you amazing gambling advice, but more so teaches you how to understand how to place wagers because right now, I'm sure you've got a gripe about this as well. I've been yelling about it time to time. Now that gambling is becoming more mainstream, all these folks on kind of the big box site, I'll just put it on them, ESPNs and what have you, they've just told all of their personalities, you got to talk about sports betting now, and they have no idea what they're talking about. People are getting so much horrible information out there. Wait, 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 Dan, Dan, you don't, you don't play the Jalen Rose parlay of the day. <laughs> I, this is such. It's they've turned it into a scam, and that's exactly what we all didn't want to happen when this stuff became legal. We wanted to try to make sure people did it right. Uh, but you know what? It's created a market for someone like yourself, Mike, to come out and say hello, everyone. Please stop listening to people who are paid to tell you terrible bets. Listen yep. to someone who isn't. Uh, <laughs> and, that's, and that's what we're going to keep trying to do. We'll yell it from the mountaintops as best we can. Listen, I will take my promotion as sheriff of the Parlay Police Department very seriously. <laughs> I'll be handing out, I'll be reaching my quota and giving out tickets and making people feel bad about themselves for placing <laughs> dumb bets left and right. I actually think this is kind of a, uh, the betting space is kind of a like, uh, and what's the expression that I'm looking for? Like, you almost have to make them feel bad about themselves. Like, you almost have to be like, you're an idiot for betting this nine-leg parlay. And let me explain to you very bluntly why you're being stupid. And then they're like, oh, wait, yeah. not And not just like, oh, that wasn't the smartest bet. Parlays aren't great. You need to, like, really beat it into these people. So don't be betting parlays. Listen to the Advantage podcast. Come follow me on Twitter. And definitely come join us for the Sports Ethos NBA Draft Watch Party. Tonight, 4.45 Pacific, 7.45 Eastern. It'll be myself. It'll be frequent guest on my podcast, Austin Vernon, joining me. And then three amazing sports ethos personalities. Rhett, who covers the Pacers. Obviously, a big night for the Pacers. He also covers Dynasty Fantasy. We'll have Keith, who covers the Bulls and all things DFS. And then we got Brewski in our cleanup spot for the reaction to who's <laughs> getting Wembanyama and to discuss the biggest winners and losers of the night. That's going to be awesome, man. I'm going to try to get it going in my pocket at Little League. Mike, thanks so much for popping on, working around my goofball schedule. You are the man. Thank you. Hopefully, you can have you come on the advantage in the next few weeks. Yes. So we'll try and find our schedules to link up again. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it, my man. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize... You're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, 
You can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. I love that dude's brain, man. Mike Fiddle's brain. That should have been his his Twitter handle. Should have been like Fiddle's brain or something like that. Fiddle 14 It works, but Fiddle's brain, that's my new favorite. He is uh, unbelievably sharp. I know we've done a little extra gambling chatter over the last day and a half, but I also wanted to, again, uh, make sure that you guys got a chance to understand kind of how the numbers work on stuff like this. I talk a bit more about the schemes in playoffs. And then uh, next year, I'm hoping, you know, we'll see how the timing shakes out. I might be one year away or one and a half years away from me really being able to get back into handicapping the regular season. Where for me, that's almost all motivational stuff. Regular season is is rest stuff and motivational stuff because that's not as built into the number. Where in playoffs, uh, you you really do have to look at adjustments, and then at a certain point, you're basically just betting which team you think is going to hit their three pointers. That's like that's how the series go as they go. Um, certainly, as the side total, maybe not quite so much uh, unless you just sort of catch it on a kind of anomalous game. Today, we are also doing a fantasy segment. Fear not. It's going to be um, not the world's longest one, but I did want to... So I, I, I didn't want to do a team because I wanted to make sure we had enough time to do the next team show. What, what do we leave off at here? We haven't done the Mavericks yet, have we? I'm four behind Sports Ethos now. That's not great for me. So uh, probably tomorrow we'll get into the Mavericks. At some point later this week, we'll do our next show on the uh, Yahoo pre-ranks, because I, we were pretty close to done with those, actually. I think we'll, we'll get through that in three episodes here this season altogether. Plus the descriptor one. So I guess I didn't count that. And then I do still have lessons from a fantasy season that we haven't gone over, and that is what we're going to dabble in today. Uh, this is a short lesson show because um, I wanted to make sure that that we had enough we had enough time uh, to get all the good stuff out of Fiddle. But what I wanted to also do here is connect the Yahoo pre-ranks to the end-of-season numbers. Now, that's basically what the analysis is for, but what we haven't gotten into on uh, the, 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 the analysis shows that we've done to this point is sort of application of that um, so that's going to be an episode of this show at some point in the not-too-distant future as well. But today's lesson is one that I never thought that I would change my stance on this, but I also think that it's super important that we move with the times, if you want to call it that, and <sighs> what's the what's the right way to, to put this in, in words that I can then sort of shorten into a podcast segment? It's not so much changing with the times as it is making the proper adjustments to strategy based on NBA scheduling. And today's lesson 
if you want to even call it that. And it's really more, I think, of a lesson for me. And then if it, if it applies to you guys as well, then hopefully you can kind of take something away from this. But the lesson of the day, short lesson, today's short lesson, is that we do need to pay some attention to teams' schedules before the season even starts. And I know that this feels like a really obvious thing, but I also had been, I think, maybe a bit stubborn. And as a, a, a Roto-first kind of player, you can you can kind of understand wh- uh, you know, why I am the stubborn mule that I am, because schedule doesn't really matter all that much. But this year, you really and and it's it started a couple years ago. I think it actually started like right before COVID. So the fact that I'm still talking about this means that I'm running extremely late on this particular lesson learned. But right around the beginning of COVID, I think it might have even been that season, which had been in the 1920 <laughs> 19, 1920. Why sound like I'm doing the 2019 to 2020 season? The NBA adjusted the in-season schedule to remove as many of the massive rest advantage games as they possibly could. And the first thing that they did was they wiped out the four games in five nights phenomenon. So you had far fewer teams with advantageous schedules. You know, four game in five night can also mean five games in seven nights. And that's where you get these sort of five game weeks. But on the flip side, by creating, by by stretching the season, if you want to call it that, uh, and then for the, I guess the season actually shortened by a couple of days, or did it go longer by a couple of days? Either way, it used to end on a Wednesday. Remember that before the play-in tournament started? So the NBA season is a different length now, and they've eliminated the extremely high traffic weeks Mostly, I think if you look at the the schedule grid from this year, there were only two five game weeks in the entire NBA at any point all season long. So there were only two times where the five and seven. Now that did change due to uh, there was a postponement. I think there was like a, a what was it, an electrical issue at a at a place or oh no it was a it was a winter storm. So one game got pushed and then that became a spot where two teams did have five games in seven nights. But on the original schedule that the NBA put out, the Raptors had a five-game week in January, and the Spurs had one in November. And then on the flip side, because the NBA has tried to space the games out a little bit more, you actually end up with more rest or game disadvantage weeks than we used to have. There are now more two game weeks. It's not it's not an overwhelming deal, but there's been a more there's been a greater willingness to create openings. Now, it doesn't always work quite so perfectly because sometimes if you space out the five games in seven nights, then, you know, one week that used to be a two maybe becomes a three. But what you do need to be aware of, and this is why I was so stubborn about it, the schedule kind of evened out for a lot of teams. Some teams have a slightly front-loaded, slightly back-loaded schedule. But the one overarching point here, as I, I do this sort of meandering part of the broadcast, is that it is important to check your playoff schedule for your top players. You can't do it for everyone, you know? Like, 
this year, if your league ended and only the final week was not played, so you're talking about March 13th, 20th, and 27th were the, the three weeks where your playoffs started. You had one, two, three, uh, four, five, I think, six, maybe six teams that had... Am I getting this right? One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, six teams had a two-game week during the traditional, the Yahoo default playoff settings. Six different teams. It is, I believe, basically impossible to just skip drafting players on any of those six teams. But it's not impossible to skip drafting your first two or three players from those six teams. So... Utah, for instance, they had a two-game week on March the 13th. Remember how a lot of teams, I know, if, try to remember back. It's two months ago now, so it actually does feel like a really long time. But if you can remember back to when this was all going down, you had these clubs that were, these fantasy teams, I should say, that were dropping extremely useful players. Like Utah, if we want to go down that route, uh, basically everybody got dropped except Walker Kessler that week. And then they rolled into a series of four gamers. And, you know, obviously you can use that to your advantage or disadvantage. But if you have those Jazz players, you probably end up getting stuck dropping them anyway. The Knicks, remember, had a two-game week. I think people held on to Randall and Brunson. That was probably it. Miami had one in there. That was a rough one. You pretty much had to drop everybody besides Butler and Adebayo. Detroit. Denver, Denver had a two-game week. Nikola Jokic probably carried you through most of your season, but then a two-gamer in his playoffs. Now, next year, uh, one of our big lessons at the beginning of the offseason, remember, we're going to fix head-to-head leagues. The, the big lesson there was you got to wipe out the last three or four weeks of the season. You know, your playoffs probably need to end either the week of March 13th or the week of March 6th. If you were doing it this year, next year, we'll kind of see how all the, the dates line up. It won't be the same dates on Mondays, but... Similar thing, I think, where you wipe out at least the final three weeks of the NBA season, and you might even make an argument to wipe out the final four. Problem, of course, is you don't really want your playoffs starting during the All-Star break, so you probably have to just start them maybe the week after the break ends, which this year would have been February 27th, March 6th, March 13th would have been the three playoff weeks, and that's probably the way we look at it next year. But there's going to be two gamers in there. And you probably need to be, I certainly do, so I shouldn't even say you, I need to be a bit more aware of which teams have the two gamers in that mix. But again, like you're probably not going to run, run up against a five-game week, but there are, the number of fours and threes is so overwhelming that if you have the rare two and you, this is one of your top players, you're in really big trouble. Your first-round guys, first- and second-round guys, those are the dudes that are carrying your team. Those are the guys that put up the giant numbers. And if you run into, I mean, how many players, you guys could probably answer this question better than I could. Maybe I can find a way to do a Twitter poll about it. But how many of you had Jokic? How many of these guys were even first-rounders in that zone? LaMelo Ball would have been one, but he missed a lot of the season. Uh, Detroit didn't have anybody that would have been a, a big thing. Miami, what if you had Jimmy Butler in a two-game week? Luckily, you got him in the third round, so it probably didn't hurt quite as much. But Utah, they didn't have any first-rounders on draft day. So luckily for this season, I mean, really the one guy you would have maybe said, I don't know, man, can I do Jokic? 
I'd be curious how many teams made it to that March 20th week in their playoffs and then lost because Jokic had a two-game week. I'd be very curious about that. So I want us to be a little bit more aware of just that playoff schedule. But I'm not completely coming off of my initial position. My initial position on this is you can generally ignore playoff schedule. But I think this year we're going to go ahead and just add the little caveat to that, which you know I want to make sure that I'm willing to change when we see something that makes sense. The caveat needs to be your first, probably second round picks likely should not come from a team that has a two-game playoff week. Now, anything can happen. That player can get traded. They can end up, they can end up hurt. Uh, yes, but that could also happen in a, in a three- or a four-game week. It's all about maximizing your chances of success. Because think about it this way. What if the player that you drafted it has like a sprained ankle and maybe only plays the second half of that, that playoff week? If they had a four-gamer, at least you'd probably still get two. But a two-gamer, you might get one or zero, and you can't drop them. You just give yourself a little bit more wiggle room by hunting top-tier players that have a better playoff calendar. But I don't... Here's what I don't think you need to worry about. I don't think you need to really worry about the difference between a team that goes like 4-4-3, 11 games over that stretch, versus 4-4-4, 12 games. To me, it's not actually about the aggregate of those three playoff weeks. For me, it's about whether or not there's a two-gamer blended in. Because Jokic had a 10-game playoff uh, stretch that went 4-2-4 or 4-4-2 or whatever. You know, it was fours on both sides. But that two in there, that's the one. Like, there's nothing, you know, the four games he played the previous week, that's all great and all. He probably helped you win that one. But then the two crops up and... You're left in a lurch. So you know what? As I talked through this on the on the broadcast, I came up with the way I, I think I want to describe it. And I didn't have the right topic sentence at the beginning of this segment. But my topic sentence is, I think you need to be, we all need to be, aware of which teams have a two-game week in your fantasy head-to-head playoffs. I don't care if it's, you know, 10, 11, 12 games, whatever, during that stretch, I don't even really care if it's a nine-game playoff week because, look, in this one, Cleveland, for instance, had a nine-game, three-week span. Denver had ten. I think I'd rather have the Cavaliers because at least you got three games in each of those weeks. And there isn't one week where the guy is completely ruining your chances to advance. It's not a great example because Cleveland uh, didn't have anybody on their team that was drafted in the first round. But, you know, next year there might be somebody who has a 3-3-3. And I'm not worried about that. I, I'd be perfectly fine if my second-round pick had 3-3-3 in the playoffs because it's not so low in any one week that it's going to blow up your team in a way that a two-gamer really does. So we're going to look at playoff schedules a little bit more going into next season for our head-to-head leagues, but we're really going to kind of isolate our discussion to is there a two-gamer in there where you have to completely change your team's strategy to compete? Otherwise, I don't care. Everybody asks me these questions in the middle of the season. Would you trade so-and-so who has a nine-game playoff schedule for this guy who has a 10-game playoff schedule? I'm like, nah, like not really. You know, uh, I wouldn't give up a better player to get that one extra game because like the odds of somebody sitting out on one side versus the other side, you just you really have no idea how many games you're going to get out of those dudes. 
An extra game is great. Sure, it's fun. You can usually get more than that by streaming some of your other slots. Anyway, the thing that I am worried about is that two-gamer mixed in there with the others. And heaven forbid we run into a team that has a five-gamer. I think Toronto had one this year because of the rescheduling. The Wizards might have as well. Uh, If you have one that's not due to rescheduling, that's a spot where you could actually kind of focus maybe a little bit more at the beginning of your draft. But you got to get there. So, you know, don't go grabbing a, a, I don't know, whatever team it is. Don't go grabbing a guy on the five-game team who's not as good by a wide margin because you still have to get to that playoff week. I'm talking exclusively about the guys that you think, as you draft them, specifically guys you're drafting in the first two rounds where you're really paying through the nose and you think, I'm going to have to rely on this dude hard all season long. I cannot have a playoff week where they only go two times. So that's our little short uh, lesson learned of the year is that the two gamers in the playoffs for the top guys, that can be a bit of a backbreaker. If it's your lower ranked guys, yeah, it's annoying. You know, maybe you turn them into a streaming slot. Like the, the decision is much easier there. But what you're talking to is you can't drop them. You're not going to drop them because they have a two game week because you'll need them in the next week. Shout out once again to the great Mike Fiddle, MFiddle14. Please go hang out with our guys on the Draft Lottery Live Show presented by Sports Ethos. That's again over at YouTube.com slash Sports Ethos. I am Dan Bespris for Fantasy NBA Today. Have a remarkable Tuesday, everyone. Let's enjoy the basketball. It's back tonight. Yeah, we're into the one game a day part of the proceedings. I, I've, these playoffs have been so good. I can't wait. Anyway, see you tomorrow, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.